As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Allocation Disorder, brought to you this week by the keg of Evanston. Rest in peace. <laughs> I am Sam Stasekul. He's Paul Tenorio. Paul, what's up, dude? How you doing tonight? I'm great, man. I'm. I, you just threw me back to my college days and Monday nights at the keg. I didn't see that one coming. Man, keg Mondays. May they never be forgotten and never be remembered. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, big show tonight. Lots to get to. Lots of news since we last spoke what was it? We didn't do a Thursday show last week, right? Was it an early in the week show? I don't even remember. It's been a while. Um, Sacramento is no longer in MLS, at least for the time being. That happened since we last recorded a show. Uh, that's a big deal. We're going to talk a lot about that. What might be next? Uh, MLS expansion in general. Teams for sale. The dynamics of that. And then a few other things towards the end of the show. An update on the U.S. Open Cup and a couple of things. Uh, a couple of youngsters. Uh, solid homegrowns in MLS getting some contract extensions, uh, implications of those on maybe some national team, maybe some European moves. So we'll, we'll get into all that, but start in the most important spot, and that is Sacramento. So last Friday night, uh, around 8 p.m. Eastern time, news emerged that Ron Burkle, who had agreed in October 2019 to bring an MLS team to Sacramento, he decided uh, he didn't want to do that anymore, um, citing financial difficulties caused by the pandemic, uh, rising construction costs for the stadium. He pulled out um, and left a living, breathing club out there in Sacramento and a lot of people associated with it and a lot of people that root for it holding the bag, so to speak. Uh, so he was the money man. He pulled out of that deal. It was supposed to be a $200 million expansion fee. Uh we reported at The Athletic in January that they missed a deadline to submit their long-form expansion agreement to the league and make their first payment on the expansion fee. Uh, they never resolved those issues. Um, they were trying to cut costs on the stadium. They, for whatever reason, and this is still kind of developing, we're still trying to find out a lot of these details, um, they decided to walk away. Uh, so... MLS is not going to be in Sacramento in 2023, as was previously planned. NWSL uh, is in jeopardy in Sacramento. We'll see where that lands. 
um, but a lot of moving parts um, and a lot to talk about regarding this this update. So, Paul, what are your main takeaways off of the news? And I'm sure I missed a lot of actual factual updates, so maybe you can uh, fill listeners in on the, on those. But what's thought, what's the reaction to the news? I thought we'd start on where were you on Friday night when the news broke? Because I was halfway to go pick up some burritos yeah. for me and my wife, and you, you called know, me. I called when you. Paul. When Paul calls me, like past working hours, it's not good news ever. It's just like, and I, I think I answered the phone with "uh oh," and you were like, you just started yelling, and I was walking to the grocery store when this happened. Um, so yeah, I was on the street. Walking down the street. Friday night news dumps. Never a fun thing for reporters. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, this is huge news for Major League Soccer. I think in multiple ways, multiple layers to this news, Sam, right? I mean, we can talk about Major League Soccer and where it's going based on the momentum of expansion, right? That's a huge part of why there is a confidence in the growth of the sport in this country, why there's certainly why there's a confidence of the growth of the league is that there have been all of these billionaire owners who have bought into major league soccer over the last decade or so. I think especially when you start looking from 2015 on and the prices that have been paid for these expansion teams, the success of those expansion teams that have come on in the last six years and It's provided a lot of positivity around the league, positive news, this idea that MLS is, um, you know, financially growing, that it is a worthwhile investment, the valuations of the clubs continue to go through the roof. And so to take all of that positive momentum and then have this happen in Sacramento, what it does is it, it, it squashes it. It just stomps on it and i think that it is it is the first egg on face moment for major league soccer in some time i i just think there has been so in terms much of more, expansion in terms of expansion in terms of well yeah okay. yeah we've we've covered some other egg on face moments too but i just think that it um it's significant because you you don't see this happen very often for a league to announce an expansion city and then suddenly sam it's it's gone it's just it, it's they raced it off the website. Yeah, no, it's definitely. I'm trying to find the. I mean, I guess it's embarrassing. I don't think it squashes the momentum, though. Like you said, like I actually really strongly disagree with that. Like it's a momentary embarrassment, right? And the league will probably learn some lessons from this, right? In terms of the due diligence it does with owners, but you know the signs were good on Ron Burkle. He's a part owner of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Since he came there, he basically helped save save that club. Positive reputation in Pittsburgh. there. Positive yeah, reputation. They've won multiple championships. Uh, he has a reputation as, as a pretty silent owner, like a guy who will fund the organization and get out of the way and let the people on the business side and the hockey side do their thing. Um, yeah, a little bit of a rep is like kind of an aloof, eccentric guy. Um, maybe a little darker than that, depending on what internet rabbit holes you go down. Um, but in terms of his sports ownership, he has, you know, prior to this, an excellent track record. Excellent, right? The Penguins, it's like a dream scenario. Um, 
So, yeah, it's it's embarrassing for the league that they did the whole dog and pony show in October 2019. And Burkle was on stage with Garber and, you know, they held up the scarves and they had all the coverage and Sacramento was finally going to get its birth, right? I think Commissioner Garber said in 2015 that it would be a matter of when, not if, for Sacramento. And it took four years from then just to get the expansion agreement done. And here, a year and a half after that, we're doing this show. Right. So it's been a long drawn out process there to begin with. Um, but that being said, I don't think this has any effect on, on how attractive MLS is to billionaire and hundred millionaire owners and private equity firms. I don't think this changes that at all because I don't think this was a situation where Burkle was like, you know, the business fundamentals just don't work for me. To me, from everything I've been able to gather, um, and every, all the reporting that, that we've done, uh, as a team and that you've done and shared with me, uh, it sounds like Burkle was kind of never really that into this. And then the pandemic hit and he was sort of half in and half out. And then he starts to take some financial hits with his other businesses, maybe, uh, certainly with the penguins and half in, half out becomes kind of more, quarter in three quarter out and then maybe he starts looking for an escape and here we are and in some ways i think mls dodges a major bullet right because you don't want an owner who's not committed and is kind of like wishy-washy about the whole thing that's not what you want at all and then you know you can get into the market side of it which we did in the piece that we wrote but we can talk about that later so but i strongly disagree you know at the end of the day these are really scarce assets right and while the financial fundamentals at this point in the league's history are, are questionable, right? Teams lose money every year. There is a, a strong narrative that you can push if you want that there is a ton of room for growth. And I think that's real. And so if you want to push that, great. People can buy into that. And oh, by the way, what I said at the beginning, scarce asset. This owning a sports team scores you major points in the rich guy Olympics. And there's only so many of these to go around. And MLS is more accessible than it is in any other league in North America. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with some of what you say there. But look, there, the business model and the financials did factor into this decision. We know that, right? Yeah, they did. I wasn't... But like that that had a lot to do with Burkle's finances. But let's just point that out. I mean, the, the rising cost of the stadium had gotten out of control in, in his mind, a, an extra... Close to 100 million based on right, our reporting. But, but you, you know, you take and, that and you take the 200 million dollar expansion fee that he was on the hook for. And suddenly you're starting to get into some serious, serious cash before we even kick a ball. Now compare right, that. But that was the, that was the case when he bought in though. It was and it wasn't though, because let's compare it even to Charlotte. We, we all talk about the 300 million that David Tepper paid that can rise to 325. Or somewhere in that neighborhood. And you look at his all-in expenses with stadium and team, it's still less than $400 million. So in this COVID are the reno- era... Are the renovations less than seventy five that they're yeah, going to do with the Somewhere in that range stadium? that they're anticipating. So well, he's okay. getting help from the county and et cetera. So look, I, I just... My point is that, you know, we do have to acknowledge that in this current... I'm not saying this is going to be the long term, but in this current environment... In a post-COVID or, you know, in the middle of COVID era, that type of money 
gets harder to justify. And that's essentially where Brooker sure. stepped out. And I think for right now, what I'm trying to get to is this idea that I don't think that there is any sort of quick, rapid conclusion to what happened here in Sacramento. I think Nor that should it, there be, though. Why, why, why does there need to be? To sit and yeah. wait. And, and I think that, you know... Right now, we know that there are multiple MLS teams on the market. They're more ready to go. You know, RSL has a training facility. RSL has a stadium. Orlando has a stadium. They're they're playing games this season. Houston has a stadium, (laughs) you know. So there are reasons to go that direction versus go to an expansion team. My point is just that I, I thought it was a big setback in this kind of flow of positivity Along with COVID, by the way, which I think exposed the the negatives of the MLS business model as it is right now, which is how dependent it is on game day um, income versus. A, a do you think COVID? Deal. Do you think COVID exposed that? We've been talking about that I, for years. I think it. Uh, yeah, but I think in the in the grander picture, it exposed just how vulnerable the business model was. And and yeah, it's not as though MLS didn't know that it needed to increase its TV money, but I think it it certainly has pushed that to the forefront and and increased and the importance of the next two TV deals. You and I have talked about why this next TV deal might not be the big one, but I just am very I would be surprised to see MLS announce a thirtieth team. I'm gonna say before the 2022 World Cup. That's crazy. I know that's crazy, but I I wouldn't be surprised to see this be, you know, over a year, maybe two years of 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 waiting and and letting, you know, letting the market yeah. stir itself back up. That wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if it if it happened before either. Um, but I think they're going to be patient. I'm going to jump in, Sam, because you know, to, to your point of like, it wouldn't surprise nothing me. Nothing would. Nothing would surprise me. <laughs> well, what, you know, when you're talking to people who are from you know familiar with. MLS, the situation, this whole thing, you know, one, one person just said to me, don't, you know, don't make this more complicated than it is, you know, whenever making it more complicated, making it more complicated than it is like serves us in our employment. Okay. But but in this case, it's uh, <laughs> all right. All right. I was going to make a joke, but the people that would be the butt of that joke probably listen to this podcast as I'm learning. Um, <laughs> well, you just insulted them anyway, so you might as well make it. <laughs> yeah. um, I think, you know, when MLS has looked for toward expansion, as long as there's a market and a stadium deal and a really rich person willing to pay whatever price they put on it. Boom. Expansion's happening. So you're right, Sam, in that if there's a billionaire who comes along and he says, I'm willing to put down $350 million to have a team in Vegas. I'm willing to put down $300 million to bring a team back to Sacramento again. I'm willing to put down $350 million for a team in Detroit. Yeah. It's happening. As long as there's a stadium plan. Even just a hint of a plan. San Diego. I don't think a hint of a plan. They went through that with Miami. They're going through it with New York City FC. Like that, you're gonna have to have a locked and loaded stadium plan to get a deal done. I think um, that's my opinion. Yeah, uh, I think people uh, that are criticizing Charlotte would argue that too. I mean, I guess he's renovating his stadium there. I mean, but- they they have a stadium plan. You might not like it, but they have a plan. You know, there's a solution there in place. Like you might not love it, but it's a plan. Um, anyway. Uh, I think the Sacramento stuff is fascinating, but I, 
I've been doing a lot of reporting on this, like, like MLS ownership and valuations, and I'm going to have a story come out about it at some point here in the not too distant future. But the more I do it, like, I don't want to like give away the whole story or anything. I mean, I guess I won't, but the more I do it, the more it's sort of driven into my brain that like, this isn't really about financials for most of these people, right? It's about buying something cool. They have more money than they know what to do with. And buying into MLS is less than buying into any other league in North America. And you can be like, well, Southampton's going to go for 200 million. Why wouldn't they just buy that? Well, maybe they don't want a team in Southampton. Maybe they want a team in their hometown and they can build something for their own community. Right. And that's an important part of this. They can leave a legacy. It gets them access to different people. It puts them in the club. And I think as long as that, as long as that's the case, and as long as there's a scarcity of available teams, which there definitely is, then I think demand is probably going to outweigh supply. And I think as long as that's true, I don't think MLS is going to have too big of an issue finding investors. One thing I wanted to point out here, Paul, Meg Whitman tried to get in on Sacramento a few years ago. And oh, there's Lyle. I don't know if you guys can hear him. He wants to talk about Meg Whitman. Uh, she ran for governor of California, longtime executive with Procter & Gamble, um, you know, Quibi, she was involved with. May, may Quibi rest in peace. Long live Quibi. Um, <laughs> but she ended up buying in, in late 2019, 20% stake of FC Cincinnati for a hundred million dollars. Maybe she wants to make another play for Sacramento. Uh, who knows? That could be interesting. Um, so I don't think Sacramento's out of this, but I do want to transition this discussion forward into like what next and and we've established that there's going to be some patience and that this is going to take some time but what do you think of sacramento's chances to keep an mls team and where do you think this is going i think we're in agreement that mls will eventually get to 32 at least so that leaves three spots available now looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. I mean, I think, I think again, as long as there are buyers willing to spend, then we'll see another round of expansion. Um, so I don't disagree that we'll probably end up at 32. Um, I, I think Sacramento's got a... A decent shot, I, and I think it's really important for Sacramento to try to get on the faster end of this, to, to make what I just said about it taking some time uh, very, very wrong. Because the longer that that spot stays open, the more their chances for a team go down, right? The more time other cities have to get an ownership and stadium thing plan in, in place, right? Yeah. And I think um, there is... Based on the people we've talked to, Sam, in our reporting, I think there is certainly a um, supportive faction of owners who are really bullish on the potential of Sacramento as a market, who believe that it could be 
you know, a Portland type market where, you know, the team is very popular and they sell out their stadium and there's a lot of excitement in the city and it's the right demographics. And there's political support there, which is really important. And, you know, they, they, they think it could be great. There's also, based on our reporting, a faction of owners or at least multiple owners who are saying, hey, let's let's use this opportunity to pump the brakes, open things back up, find the best market, the best owner, the most money that we can find. Yeah. In I think that will rule the day, by the way. Right. Because like, why not? Even if Sacramento gets somebody in place quickly, why rush back into it? Why not open it up and see how high you can drive that expansion fee? Right. Like that's MLS is winning on that front on this deal. Right. The 200 million is gone, but they're going to replace that with a team that's going to pay 300 plus for an expansion fee. So MLS is winning on that aspect of it. Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. There's an interesting idea that somebody has mentioned um, in the course of our reporting and that we printed in our story in the immediate aftermath about this, that they saw this as a net positive for the league. And I'm not sure I totally agree with that. Um, but the idea was that like Sacramento is not that sexy of a market. It's not going to do anything for the league to move the needle nationally or internationally. And maybe alternative expansion cities, a place like Phoenix or San Diego or Vegas might do more in that regard. Um, and maybe, but you know, maybe they're not as, you know, much of a success locally, right? And so anyway, I, I think that that discussion's interesting. What, what, what do you can, think of it? Can I just clarify something? Because it's kind of been a, uh, something that's annoyed me on Twitter in the aftermath of that quote. No, no clarification. It, it's not about how cool the market is. Like, oh, Sacramento's not cool enough. Nobody cares how cool a market is. I mean, that, but that's kind of what it is, though. It's not really what it is. It's money. It's kind of, I mean, it's it's kind money. of what it is. Will Phoenix drive more eyeballs to the league? Will it make it more attractive on a TV deal? Yes. Right. Okay. And, and, why, and why will it drive more eyeballs because it's and a make it more attractive? Market. And why is it bigger? It's a cooler market. Is Phoenix cooler than Sacramento? Toss-up, in my I opinion. Mean, I, I think Sacramento I've never been cooler. to Sacramento, so I can't really say I've anything. been to Phoenix, and I can tell you that there's a good chance it's at least a toss-up. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Look so, at you insulting Phoenix and Sacramento in one sentence. I enjoy sentence. my time in Phoenix. I, I hike. I you know get not, not lots of sun. But I mean, I'm you not, live you live in Vegas. Chicago. Like you know, everyone in Chicago like loves spending time in Arizona. It's like their favorite pastime. Yeah, you go down, you play a couple rounds of golf. All I'm saying is it's it's not like Sacramento needs to be, you know, beating out Miami on the cool factor. Not that I'm endorsing Miami as cool either for the for the record. Will but, you will you just like p- take a stance on any of these cities being cool or not? I'm just saying it's not about what's cool. It's about what's the <laughs> best business decision. And that that factors into what the expansion fee is, how it helps the potential TV markets. You know, are these places where there's a better owner or a better stadium deal in place? You know, do they believe that it could with Vegas where they really want to tap into sports betting and growing the audience through sports betting? It's a much better market to do that for Major League Soccer. It's not about what's cool. Who who would be the person at MLS that's deciding what the cool market is? Uh, That's a good question. Let me think about this for a second. Um, it's not going to be Don Garber. He's, he's, he knows he needs to outsource that, right? Don's a smart guy. He knows he's going to outsource that. He's not young, right? Like, I'm not saying he's not hip, but he's not young. Uh, who's the person? Um, 
Andrew Wiebe. Brilliant. It's, it's Andrew. It's Andrew Wiebe. <laughs> uh, I hope he hears. He'll text us two weeks from now when he listens to this episode and and say something. I don't know. Uh, he's the tastemaker. I think that's. I think we can all agree on that. What were we talking about? I forgot. Whether or not Sacramento's cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just think. Look. I think we're at a place right now where we can we can pretty confidently say hey, it's not like Sacramento is <laughs> going to snap its fingers, find a new owner, and this all gets resolved in the next few months. It's not that simple. It's going to take time. And by the way, the vetting process for Major League Soccer is a complicated one. So that in itself takes many months to vet owners before you can many moons. move forward with the process of um, approving an owner and improving a sale. So. We're gonna we're gonna need some time on this. I am interested to see though how quickly any of these markets try to put together some sort of momentum to to put their name near the top of the list. Because I would say Sacramento, they have to try to stay in the news. They have to try to yeah. keep the energy. Yeah. You know, but does, be- does, because it's because it's not that cool, and people aren't going to be keeping it top of mind. Yeah, that's so what you're saying. Does, right? does Phoenix jump in there? Does Detroit come back into the picture? San Diego, Tampa, perhaps Vegas, Tampa, Tampa Bay. Tom Brady, maybe he'll bring a team to MLS. We don't know. Whoa! Wow! I mean, well, that he doesn't have billionaire money, does he? I, I mean, so. Giselle, Giselle, yeah. maybe they could put a group together. They could definitely put a group together. Sam would fully endorse. Sam and Weeby would fully endorse the cool factor <laughs> of Gronk, <laughs> Gronk and Brady as owners. Listen, man, it's the city of champions. Okay, I don't think anyone can deny that. And I don't know if you've spent time in Tampa. I have. Um, th- talk about a city that fits the chaotic, weird, crazy vibe of MLS. That's it, right there, man. Like that's the equivalent. If that's MLS personified as a city, it's Tampa. Oddly enough, that's where USL's headquartered. I'm just glad that we've we've evolved enough on this show that you're now questioning whether or not I've ever been to Tampa. Oh right. You did used to live in Orlando. It's it's your hometown. I mean, but I thought you never left. So, you know. Oh, you only went for, to Daytona. When I you only went to, think, to the Atlantic coast. When I needed to think, I just drove I-4 back and forth right? in Orlando. Super relaxing drive. <laughs> Super scenic. Um, all right. So we've talked about MLS going to 32. That leaves three spots. I'm going to put you on the spot, even Mr. Wishy-Washy over here. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot. If you were Don Garber or if you were the entire MLS Board of Governors, where would you put those three teams? Wow. Um, I, I would put a team for sure in San Diego. I mean, assuming that they can all, all of these cities could get stadium deals. Uh, I would put a team yeah. in San Diego. Yeah, we're assuming that. I would put a team in Phoenix, and I would put a team in Detroit. Detroit? Yeah. Underdog. Because I'm thinking of... I'm thinking Is Detroit of, cooler than Sacramento? Ooh. See, I've got some bias here. My mom's from Detroit. I got family in Detroit. Uh... <laughs> I've been to Detroit. I haven't been to Sacramento. <laughs> Again, um, we're going to put it in the toss-up. I'm going to keep wishy-washy. I, I just look at it more of a geographic spread. It, it's harder yeah. for me to justify Sacramento when you have San Jose down the road mm-hmm. uh, and and 
I, I just think San Diego would be uh, a really important market for MLS. I think Phoenix as well. When you, especially also when I, I, I think through the prism of youth development, finding players and reach of MLS, um, those would be the three. Maybe my Detroit bias crept in there, but yeah, that would be the three. What Detroit style pizza, yay or nay? Nay. Nay? I haven't had. Wow. I, I mean, wow. I haven't. Little Caesars is like the last time I had a Detroit style pizza. That's not true. Dude, Every time I go home, you ever I been to? Go you ever been to Jets? House. Yeah, I've been to Jets once. All right, go to Jets. There you go. Heard it from me. This, My this cousin is, a very is visiting me this podcast. weekend from Detroit. She's coming on Saturday to to meet my daughter for the first time, and I'll tell her to bring a Detroit style pizza for. Just me go to she... Jets. There's like 800 locations, why, why like in a mile your, of your the house. Real thing from Detroit. Because it'll be cold and gross. That's why it's a long drive. Anyway, I digress. You're not gonna be polite and ask me the question that I asked you. So I did, ask but it. you were too busy yelling about Detroit style pizza to hear. <laughs> All right, whatever. We'll have to play that back. I don't believe you, but. If I had to pick three expansion cities, I agree with you on San Diego and Phoenix. I don't think I agree with you on Detroit. Um, all right. So if I pick San Diego and Phoenix, that puts 15 teams in the Western Conference. Is that right? I'm not yeah? doing your math for you. Yeah, I think. All right. So there's 13 right now. So plus two. The expansion teams are St. Louis and Charlotte. St. Louis could be in the West, theoretically. Anyway, so it's 15 or 16. Uh, you kind of do need more in the Midwest, though, don't you? Yes. Y- you kind of do. Um, you have Chicago, Minnesota, and Columbus. I guess Cincinnati now. So that's four, and that's it. Yeah. Am I missing anyone? No. Uh, no. Well, St. Louis. Kansas City. Well, you're putting them in the West, so they're not even going to play those Eastern Conference. Well, they're in the still West. in the Midwest, though. I mean, Minnesota's in the West. We're talking geography, not conference. Come on, man. All right. Let's go Milwaukee. Dark Horse. Milwaukee? Yeah, that's right. Where did that come from? Just uh, the shores of Lake Michigan. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I actually think MLS would really work in Milwaukee now that I think about it. I know there's been zero interest from anyone in Milwaukee, <laughs> but that doesn't mean there can't be in the future. Charlotte came out of nowhere with David Tepper. You know, maybe the Bucks owners, maybe Giannis wants to put a group together. Maybe Giannis and Aaron Rodgers and J.J. Watt get something going on. Who knows? Um, I think that could be cool. I actually think it would be a nice little rivalry with with Chicago. And I actually think that city, it would do well in that city. I, I really do. And it's it's bigger than Detroit, I think, at this point. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how much it's doing for you internationally. I don't know how cool it is. But I've been to Milwaukee. And so that's earning points. So far, so we've go. had two endorsements for MLS expansion <laughs> teams based on, well, I've been there. <laughs> um, all right. So there you go. I'm going off the board. Milwaukee, Phoenix, and San Diego. Can, can I just also say, though, that it's just a weird dynamic here. It's always been this weird dynamic between Sacramento and MLS, where Sacramento has always seemed ready so bizarre. to roll. And they're, like, super excited. And there's all this energy behind them. And then, like, it doesn't happen. And then it doesn't happen again. And then it doesn't happen again. And it just feels like, I don't know, like, I get so torn when I think about it because there are aspects of that club that are so ready to roll, you know? Like, so they have many, an academy. They, yeah. They've been playing. They've had fans. Like, they they seem like 
prime, they've, they've drawn well as a USL team. It reminds me of Orlando in that way, right? They, they could be a, a great success. Or Portland, which and, everyone compares it to. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, no, it that, just hasn't that's, I'm glad you brought that up because everyone that I've spoken to about this is like, oh, Sacramento would kill it locally. Everyone. Zero doubt. Right. And, and that's really disappointing. Right. Because there are a lot of people that put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into that club with the idea that one day it would move up. And then they brought that idea to fruition. And then the rug got pulled out from under him. And honestly, he's not going to talk. I've reached out to his PR guy like four times in the last six days. But Ron Burkle, like, he owes that city an apology, in my opinion. Like, it, this is ridiculous. You agreed to do a deal, and you're backing out of it. And that's your prerogative. You didn't sign anything. You didn't do anything illegal, it seems. Right? So, go on and do your thing. But, like, to to do that, it's not it's not the right thing to do. I'll put it like that. And And this is not... While he had some financial difficulties... He probably could have swung this thing, man. He just bought Neverland Ranch for like $25 million like two months ago. Like, he probably could have swung this thing. Um, he just didn't want to at the end of it and he backed out of a deal. And, yeah. and, and I wanted uh, I to, emphasize to not, to not speak publicly after that, I think is kind of cowardly. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, I just wanted to, to, to shout him out too because neither of us picked Sacramento as one of our three markets we'd go to. If, if MLS were to go to 32. But I do think that they, they deserve tremendous amount of respect for the work they put in to try yeah. to get it there. And all, all that market has been missing, the only thing that market is, is an missing owner. is a billionaire owner who will take it over the line all well, the yeah, way. I mean, and it looked like that was Ron Burkle, who is a billionaire. Like, right. yeah. And, and it's a shame that it didn't work out. And, and by the way, like, I think if Sacramento went in, I agree with all those people that we talked to. I think it would be a huge success. I think it would be good for the league. Uh, totally uh, anecdotal, but you and I both have a friend who lives there, Ryan Dietz, a good friend of mine I went to college with. He he lives in that area now, and he says all the time, he says to me, it would destroy in this market. It would kill in this market. You know, he always asked me, well, what's the update on Sacramento? When are, when are they coming in? Um, so I might not have been to Sacramento, but I know someone who's been to Sacramento. So they're <laughs> you on know who else has still. been to Sacramento? Andrew Wiebe. That's who. Um, on that note, I think we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back afterwards with a little bit more ownership, sale talk, and uh, a few other topics as well. Allocation Disorder will be back after the break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Welcome back to Allocation Disorder, brought to you by Mustard's Last Stand. I'm Sam Stasekul. He's Paul Tenorio. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, we just talked a lot about Sacramento. We're going to transition off of that, but stay sort of on the topic of ownership 
there are three teams up for sale in MLS that we know of uh, in Houston, Salt Lake, and Orlando. Uh, we're following all of those stories. We're tracking them. We'll keep you guys updated as soon as we as soon as we can. Um, which who knows? Maybe it might be soon. Maybe I don't know. Who's to say? Um, but I do want to talk about a couple of other elements, not necessarily related to any of those three markets, but more to the league as a whole. I've been talking to a bunch of people recently who kind of are of the mind that before the 2026 World Cup comes around and before this possible inflection point that may or may not be an inflection point, depending on who you talk to, but this possible inflection point in terms of valuation and momentum and growth and all of that stuff for MLS, they think more owners will start to sell before then and that you'll start to see more teams go up for sale prior to that point, even beyond those three that I just mentioned. So, Paul, I'm, I'm curious what you think of that general notion. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that because I think the growth of the league is going to accelerate in the interim. I, I really do believe that the league sees 2026 as this really important moment because who knows when it's going to happen again. You and I had a conversation with a source um, in North American soccer who, who, who pointed that out. You When's the next time the World Cup's coming around? To this it's going to be a generation. Side, right? Generation. So yeah. this is a really important moment to seize on and to spend around because you're only going to get one chance. And there are some owners who I think are, are not going to be willing to or able to spend at that rate. And so I could absolutely see other markets coming up for sale. And even as you and I spend a significant amount of our time reporting out these three teams that are for sale right now and trying to figure out what's happening and who could be potential buyers and when the sales are going to happen and and for how much and what the valuations of the teams are you know even then i start to hear already this owner is really you know not in love with being an mls owner and and you know could very well look to move things but it maybe now is not the right time because there are three other teams for sale and it's a tough market to sell out of you know so it, it does not surprise me at all that that there's a belief that you could see more teams sell, Sam. I mean, I, I would say what would you put it at maybe like a half dozen owners who who you could justify in your mind saying, okay, now is the time for me to step away and maximize my money. That sounds about right. I mean, I think I'm trying to think who would jump to the top of that list. I think San Jose would probably be on there. Uh, I think Philadelphia would probably be on there. Um, and maybe these aren't full sales, right? Maybe these are injections of private equity or institutional capital, right? Because that's a thing that's allowed now in MLS. They can't buy more than 49% of a club, but they can buy part of it. And so if, if an owner is short on cash, but wants to keep running that team, then maybe you, you sell 49%, right? Seattle. I mean, Seattle's sort of done that already. I don't think Adrian Hanauer is going anywhere though um i, I could I definitely pretty, see them as a club that, in, that has a, that that kind of maybe does another round of of a minority ownership that sale. yeah that i could see but like but no i don't think adrian hanauer has gone anywhere i think he's gonna have the controlling stake for as long as he is able to and i don't see that changing anytime soon uh vancouver would be another one that sort of jumps out at me although they've started spending more recently so who knows and greg kerfoot is very involved at the league level Yep, 100%. Um, but it wouldn't shock me. Uh, I think that's only three, though, that I've named. Red Bull? F- definitely Red Bull would be one. Um, any other jump out at you? Maybe? I'm still 
curious about DC United. Uh, you know, they have yeah, a new ownership. That's a good call. Stephen Kaplan, yeah. you know, certainly doesn't fall into the the pool of people who would need to sell. But I could see them being uh, an ownership group that's interested in selling, or certainly would be open to an injection of of capital down the yeah. road at some point. And no, I think that's a good call. Um, there maybe there's another one or two out there that we're missing. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see over the next two, three, four, five years uh, how that shakes out. Um, because I do think that there are going to be some more teams up for sale. And I just want, real quick on the private equity thing, people are like, okay, why, why, why would a private equity fund invest in MLS? Typically, their exit timeframes are like five ish years or so. And so if you're going to sink, if you're going to buy 40% of an MLS team at a valuation of $400 million, what is that? Like, you know, 175, 170 million. I'm not doing the math. I'm just sort of guessing, um, off the top of my head, that's a lot of money. That's serious. And if you're going to increase the valuation over three, four, five years, that's a pretty significant bet that you're making. Um, particularly with this next round of TV rights, like, People are not super confident that there's going to be a huge jump. In fact, they're confident there's not going to be a huge jump, the people that I'm talking to. Um, so I don't know. That's that's going to be interesting. But I think that there are cases that you can make where Team X, Y, or Z, you know, they're operating decently right now. And if you inject another $50 million or $100 million into their into their account, then they can hit a tipping point and go next level. And that's where I think those those PE firms would would be interested. But I think that's a small number of MLS clubs that would go for that sort of thing. And I think MLS will be really selective with which firms and companies it lets do that. So I don't think that's going to be like a huge trend or anything. But I just wanted to say that. I'm rambling now. Um, but yeah, what was that? Like five teams that we listed, Paul? Um, so, you know, I think that's, that's a healthy number. And I'm curious to see when expansion ends, how this ends quote-unquote, assuming it ends at 32, how the narrative shifts. Does then that become a situation where we might start to see teams moving? What do you think? I think that's when you start to hear threats of movement. You know, whether teams actually move, I think it becomes very difficult. You know, this league, the one of the biggest areas of growth for Major League Soccer has been in their investment in infrastructure, stadiums, training facilities, um, trying to really actually penetrate the markets that they're in. They haven't succeeded in some of these older markets, but those are the harder markets to walk away from, right? You're not walking away from New York or Chicago um, or even Dallas. You know, I, I think it's very difficult to to walk away from those markets. Um, but I, well, the I hunts think, aren't going anywhere in Dallas, so. right? So I I think that you know when you look at other professional sports leagues in this in this country, you see that there are um, multiple instances of owners holding the specter of moving a team in order to get a better stadium deal when it's time to get a new stadium. And I, I think that'll become a very normal part of Major League Soccer, just as it's a normal part of the NFL or NBA. Yeah, I think that's way down the road, though. Um, because most of the t- you're getting, we're getting to the point now where a lot of teams do have stadiums and do have a lot of money in the ground. And... Eventually, those stadiums will become undesirable or whatever, but I think we're probably 15, 20 years away from that. At depending minimum. on the market. Depending on the market. Depending on the market. Columbus but like, already reached that. Yeah, they did, but that's in the rear view at this point. But like, let's think about the markets that don't have stadiums sorted, right? New England, 
would be kind of one of the more glaring ones. Uh, but that's they're owned by the Crafts. NYCFC. Right? NYCFC, but there's so much value in being in New York. And, you know, pre-pandemic reports, they were clo- they were closer than they'd ever been. They have a site. They just need to get that thing approved, right? There's a lot of hoops that they have to jump through still, but like they're making, they were making progress on that front. Um, Vancouver, I'm sort of interested by. Montreal, I'm sort of interested by. Um, because they, they need a new stadium in a bad way to kind of increase their revenue. And I, I think Vancouver falls into that same boat. But I think, I also think if either of those ownership groups were to sell, and I don't think Montreal would, cause they're trying to do this thing with Bologna where it's like a global network, that sort of stuff. Um, but if either of them were to sell, I feel like they would both be like, we need to sell to someone who's committed to keep this team here in Canada and in this city. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, this is I projecting, this is, we're talking decades, we're talking decades a, down a, the line. Another stadium that I could see being an issue on the front, on the closer end. I think it'll be one of the first, the next stadiums where you hear about negotiations with no the Philadelphia and how, I mean, already that stuff has started to crop up, right? Um, it has. Yeah. There's been speculation about, I think, I think Pablo Mara reported it for the athletic. I hope so. Cause we're talking about it on the podcast. Right <laughs> um, Don't this fact check us listeners. This isn't necessarily true. Paul may have just misremembered something. There you go. It, it you happens. have cover now. It happens from time to time. Uh, I, but I think Philadelphia stadium issue has, has, the potential for stadium issues yeah. on, the, on the like, like we're talking near, long on the more term. near term than you know some of these other define more near term ten years like a, like a decade yeah hmm. yeah I don't know I feel like I'm I'm like weirdly optimistic about Philadelphia right now which I, I don't know man I'm like weirdly optimistic what's going on with me Paul I'm supposed to be a curmudgeon I don't know what's happening um, New Year yeah, New you've Sam, forgotten I guess. about my hometown on this episode. You're I know. positive about everything. You you talked you talked up Detroit pizza on the show. I mean, you're just you're just really I mean, I, a happy. Person. I do like Jets pizza. Like uh, that would have been true previous to this, you know, non heel turn. Uh, anyway, I think that's going to be something to keep an eye on for the next twenty to thirty years, nevertheless. <laughs> so so stay stay vigilant, listeners. <laughs> Um, it's going to be very important here over the next few years. A few other things. Uh, Jeff Ruder and I reported earlier uh, today on Thursday that MLS is making a decision on how it's going to populate the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, the U.S. Open Cup this year, for those who don't know, is much smaller than usual due to complications of COVID and the busy international schedule. Um, there are only 24 teams total, down from what would have been 101 eligible clubs. Uh only eight MLS teams will be involved this year. That's out of 24 American teams. And it sounds like the league is going to do a, a situation where the first three games of the regular season, after three games, they're going to just put all the American teams in a single table and the top eight qualify for the Open Cup at that point. Um, so that sounds like the system. People are a little bit in their feelings about that, but I think people would have been in their feelings about literally any system that MLS used. Um, I don't mind it. I think it's kind of a cool way to add some stakes to the early part of the season. What do you think about it? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a way to evolve, involve every MLS team in like almost a pseudo qualification. Right. Right. Yeah. It's the, to me that makes it a best case scenario. And I mean, 
I feel like I always look at the CONCACAF Champions League qualifiers and I'm, we're always like, I always look at the U.S. Open winner like, you know, like, <laughs> which one of these yeah. is not like the other, you know? Yeah. So yeah. like, let's not trash talk this, this qualification method in an un- imperfect year. It's the quickest US way Open. to qualify. Yeah. And MLS teams are going to be entering at the round of 16, assuming everything goes smoothly with the tournament. So, um, you know, you, what is that? You win four matches, you're in the CCL. That's not so bad. That's uh, that's not so bad of a route. Much easier than the other ones. Uh, let me interject yeah. here quickly, Sam, to defend my Please. sanity. I did Uh-oh. pull up Pablo's story about Chester. There was this <laughs> You fact-checked yourself. <laughs> According to multiple sources, with detailed knowledge of the situation, the union have preliminarily explored the idea of relocating to downtown Philadelphia in the coming years. Wow. I may okay. be getting older, Sam, but I still got it up here. You know. You know what? All those years in Orlando didn't rot your brain permanently. You should be proud of yourself. Round of applause for Paul. Way to go, buddy. You did it. Um, so yeah, it should add some stakes to the beginning part of the season. I was talking to a, a GM today who, you know, he, he, I was talking to him while his team was at training and he was telling me that the team captain, you know, before their first preseason training session the other day was, was going, guys, we have to come out of the gates firing so we can make the open cup. Right. So I think that could be kind of cool for the first. Is it fair from a competitive standpoint? No, but nothing really is, you know, like you could be like, well, you could take the top eight teams from last year, but that's they wouldn't have known that they were fighting for the Open Cup, you know, so that's not really fair either. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. A couple of other items that that Jeff and I reported or one other item that Jeff and I reported Sam Vines, Colorado and U S men's national team left back. Maybe I don't, is he the starting, is he the number one left back at this point? Paul? No, I think, I think Serginio Dest will be the, would be the number one left back in a, in a worst case scenario. And Reggie Cannon would start it right back. I think that would be the preferred choice. And Anthony Robinson still in the mix, still in the mix. Yeah, I mean, sure. he does play in the premier league pretty regularly. So you know, that's not nothing. Um, but anyway, Sam Vine's 21 years old. He's he's rapidly rising the depth chart, I think it's fair to say. Uh, he signed a new deal in Colorado uh, that will keep him under club control through 2025. Uh, so long-term situation. He was in the last year of his contract. Here, this year, James Sands, another talented youngster, New York City FC midfielder slash center back. Uh, I think he's 20, so even younger than Vine's. He signed a five-year extension. Um, and both of these moves are like very much geared to the idea of we're going to sell this player, but we wanted to lock him up so we can get a bigger transfer fee. And historically in MLS, that's been a dangerous move for the player. I don't think it will be in either of the, either of these cases though. Uh, and I can elaborate that on that in a second, but I'm already talking a lot. So Paul, what, what do you think of these deals and, and kind of explain the implications for them, of them for, for the listeners? Yeah, I think it's really good business on the part of Colorado and NYCFC. You know, it's important to lock up your younger players to longer term deals, like you said, to be able to negotiate a better transfer fee during the sales. And you can look at where teams didn't do this and how it goes wrong. I think Kyle Laren is probably the best example of that in Orlando, where they didn't renegotiate his deal at all. And he got fed up being paid a you know a, a salary that was negotiated before he had kicked a ball in MLS and and after scoring double digit goals etc cetera, etc cetera, etc cetera. of course they badly. also thought they also thought he they had him under control for another year when it turned out he just left but 
Yeah, I mean, you know. it ended badly, right? It ended badly, and it, and I think it could have been avoided. And and in this case, this is a chance to to do that. But to your point, Sam, you know, yeah, there's risk. There certainly is risk for the player that that the team is going to sell you when those when those offers come. I just think we're in a changing MLS, and and so I think if you if you can drive legitimate offers and legitimate interests. You're going to be sold out of this league. There's too much of a push from an ownership level to make this the norm for me to see, you know, more Aaron Long esque situations. And yeah, to add on to that, Aaron Long is older than much most older of these players. Yeah, much older. Um, yeah, I agree. And knowing what I know about NYCFC and Colorado and the people that are in charge at those clubs. You know, James Sands had a quote in the press release, basically being, I, I don't remember the exact thing, but the gist of it was, yeah, like, I want to go to Europe and NYCFC knows that. And like, I'm confident that by signing this deal, like that will not, not only not hurt me, but help me in that process. Right. And, and those clubs are both pretty savvy. I mean, both of them have, you know, they're owned by groups that own two of the biggest clubs in the world in Arsenal and Manchester City. Um, so they're, you know, they can tap into some savviness in those markets pretty quickly. Um, and, and I don't know, I, I think if I was Vines or Sands, I would feel comfortable signing an extension and, and, and feeling like I would, I would be sold. And, and I wouldn't say that about every MLS club, but with those two clubs, I think I would. Sam, you, you said something that, that triggered a thought in my mind, which is, you know, it's, it's kind of relieving and, exciting in a way to finally see Red Bull New York start tapping into the Red Bull umbrella at a higher rate than they have in recent years. I think they've signed like four or five players from Salzburg or something. Not not all now. A lot of guys on loan. Yeah. A lot of, yeah, but they're they're finally starting to reap the benefits of that unofficial relationship between Red Bull, Salzburg and Leipzig and New York. Unofficial. Yeah. Quote unquote unofficial. <laughs> um and it just made me think how great would it be to see Colorado and Arsenal start to like actually yeah man act like they existed on under the same ownership group I mean like it's it's a damn shame that Thierry Henry came to MLS and he was not a Colorado Rapid I mean sin of the century is it though <laughs> I mean I'm is just Denver saying. is Denver cooler than New York <laughs> I have been to Denver and it's a pretty cool city. <laughs> no, it, honestly, though, I mean, I, I think it would be really encouraging for Major League Soccer if you started to see that relationship bear a little bit more fruit. A couple loans here and there. Send a guy yeah. over. Give him a sure. little help. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but it would be interesting. Sure. Why not? Let's let's get let's get it trending. I don't know. Do people say that? This show's gone too long. Yeah, I think at this doing? point, when you're trying to get stuff trending via allocation disorder in the, uh, you know, 50th minute of the show, it's off the rails. 50th minute. We came out of halftime a little gassed tonight. What can we say? Um, thanks so much for listening. <laughs> it's been a fun episode. It's been a strange episode. Um, Paul will be back on The Athletic next week with a full power ranking of MLS cities. How cool are they? Um, until then, I'm Sam. He's Paul. This has been Allocation Disorder. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week. <laughs>